Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Josh Hammer Show. It has been over two weeks now since October 7th, 2023, the darkest day in the state of Israel's history, and the attention of the world is still fixed on Israel, on Gaza, on Lebanon, on that whole part of the world. Really, it's all they're talking about on cable news, from what I can tell. It's all they're talking about, not just at Newsweek, our own publication, but all the major publications, and rightfully so. It is a huge, huge deal. A country cannot endure what Israel suffered, let alone a free country, a a democracy, cannot endure what happened there, 14 to 1,500 slain, children beheaded, burned alive, Holocaust survivors shot at point-blank range, shot execution style, hundreds mowed down and musical raves. A free country cannot endure this without a massive, massive response coming. Think about what would happen if the United States were invaded from the thuggish Mexican drug cartels, Jalisco, all the worst of the worst there, operating in the high Sonoran Desert along the Rio Grande there in northern Mexico. What would the United States do if thousands of these thugs flew in, infiltrated the border, and started wantonly slaughtering our people? Started wantonly slaughtering the mathematical equivalent of almost 50,000 Americans there in Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas? Well, you bet your damn ass that the American people would be calling en masse for swift retribution and justice. Yes, there would be an element of lust for vengeance. I would submit to you that 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 lust for vengeance is healthy. That, I think, is what we are currently seeing happening in Israel. You cannot endure what they endured without wanting to seek vengeance. And for those of you out there who are calling for a quote-unquote proportionate response. I would ask you, what is a proportionate response in this context? Is a proportionate response the burning alive of Arab children in Gaza, the shooting point-blank of 90-year-old Arab grandmothers, the raping of mass Arab teenagers? No. There is going to be a disproportionate response in Gaza and perhaps elsewhere. The question is what that looks like. Well, to answer all of those questions and more, we are bringing on as a repeat guest here, Arya Lightstone. Arya Lightstone is the former senior advisor to the U.S. ambassador to Israel and special envoy for the Abraham Accords under former President Trump. He's also the author of the book last year, Let My People Know the Incredible Story of Middle East Peace and What Lies Ahead. Arya has been living in Israel for the past few weeks. We're going to ask him about what it was like to be there on the day itself, October 7th, what he is hearing on the ground from the intelligence officials, the security officials. And we're just going to get into a very well-rounded conversation here with Arya Lightstone. We hope that you will stay with us through a very quick commercial break before we go ahead and bring on Arya Lightstone. We're talking about Israel and the conflict in the Middle East there. Stay with us. 
Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Josh Hammer Show. So we're bringing back to the show today, REA Lightstone. We had him on just a couple months ago to talk about the anniversary of the Abraham Accords. But unfortunately, his area of expertise is tragically, once again, extraordinarily useful for you, the listeners. Once again, REA Lightstone is the former senior advisor to the U.S. ambassador to Israel and special envoy for the Abraham Accords. And he is the author of the book, Let My People Know, the incredible story of Middle East peace and what lies ahead. Arya, my friend, I wish it was under better circumstances, but thank you once again for joining the program. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me, and thank you for you've been in touch since this started, and that means an enormous amount to me and Israel and, and our family. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. I mean, I, as you know, uh, this issue is very personal to me uh, for many reasons, not least of which is the fact that my fiance is Israeli. Her oldest brother lives in Netivot, which is just a handful of miles Outside of Gaza, we were all terrified, of course, on the day this happened. Uh, Thank God uh, her family is all okay for now. You also were in Israel on the day that we'll live in infamy in that part of the world on on October 7th. Before we kind of dive in further here, we're going to talk about Gaza, Hamas, all that stuff. Why don't you just tell us about how you first learned about this tragedy, because this happened on both Shabbat and Yom Tov, a Jewish holiday. So how did you hear about it? And what were those first kind of 24 to 36 hours there in Israel like? So I went to synagogue Saturday morning. We live in Manana, uh, which is, imagine the leafiest, most wonderful suburb you can imagine. And, and that's where it is. Um, normally blissfully removed from traffic, uh, and, and all other challenges that normally can be found uh, in Israel. And uh, went to synagogue carefree, as can be on Saturday morning. Not only was it Shabbat, but it was also the last day of sort of a month-long series of, of holidays. And frankly, relieved to be done with the holidays and excited about starting work on Sunday. And, and walked into synagogue at 8.15 or so. At 8.30, one of the people who's, quote, in the know uh, in the security realm comes in and says, I think we should cancel services. Now, that is an extreme measure. Uh, to take in a place like Renana. Services can be canceled if you're on the border towns and maybe if you're in Judea and Samaria, but in the middle of Renana to cancel services, that was eye-opening. And, and frankly, there was a feeling within the synagogue that whatever's happening can't be that bad. I mean, this is DEFCON, whatever else it would be for, for that to happen. And we sort of went about what we were doing for another half an hour, 45 minutes, and then another security guy came in and said, we're done. And indeed, we were done. And we went home. And because of the Sabbath, and I'm not on a need-to-know security basis, we were devoid of electronics. We went into our house. We locked the doors. And we were prepared to protect our family if need be. 
Sabbath ended five, six hours later, we turned on the phones and in our wildest nightmares, we could not have anticipated what we were flooded with. Um, a modern day uh, pogrom is too nice of a word. Uh, a, a recollection of the darkest days of the Holocaust, where Jews were targeted for being Jews and nobody was there to help. Eight, nine, ten hours, sometimes even longer for people actively texting with the military and the police and other people who are supposed to be there to help and helplessly uh, just left unanswered or unreached and, and countless deaths, massacres, hostages, uh, violence of epic proportions. I mean, one of the things I think that's lost on, on people, I don't want to skip ahead, is, is people are like, one second, in the middle of a massacre, there was time to rape and to torture? Yeah, because the massacre went on for more than 10 hours. Uh, Israel did not, quote, reclaim the rest of Israeli sovereign territory until midday, two days later. And this is unfathomable, unthinkable uh, of nightmarish proportions. So we here didn't really know what this ultimately meant. There were many rockets that were fired. We were down in our bomb shelter. We've lived through that. It's scary. Um, you hear the boom, the intercept of the Iron Dome, the house shakes. Uh, but, you know, you're relatively safe and you get up and you sort of live a life. It felt I was in New York City on 9-11. The, the first day, Saturday, Sunday, Monday felt like 9-11, uh, but in my own backyard. And and come Wednesday, it was sort of felt like, uh, you know, when President Bush was standing on the ruins of, of the trade uh, center and he said, you know, we're America, we're going to get those guys. Some paraphrase of that. Uh, you felt that Israel was back. I mean, every military age male and many way older than military age males uh, showed up. Uh, people flew in from across the world. I mean, this was this was we immediately went to what we're supposed to do which is uh, make food for the soldiers. How do we take care of the 20,000 families who cannot go back to their homes? Where are they going to sleep? What are they going to eat? What are toys are their kids going to play with? And, and we went into full take care of each other mode, which is, which is what you're supposed to. And that's been going on now for uh, 11 days. Uh, full time helping the, 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 our neighbors, our friends, uh, everybody on my block has somebody who is currently on the front lines, and, and we don't. Our kids are too young. We're not even citizens. We're tourists. Um, and to the degree we can help anybody, we will. I'll just make one, one other comment that I think is relevant for your listeners to hear. It's ridiculous that my kids are not terrified of the bomb shelter. They're really not. It's just sort of something that happens. They don't like it, but it happens. And that in of itself, imagine the psychological damage that there's a whole generation of kids who are used to going to the bomb shelter that, that let's leave that as a given which makes no sense but let's just leave that as a given on thursday night uh, the thursday night after the initial attack so i don't remember what date that was at 6 p.m there's a red alert everybody has on their phone an alert of when an attack is coming to your area so you can get to a shelter etc and the phones blew up with paragliders coming in over the uh the defensive line in the north and attack drones and anything you could possibly imagine happening. And we thought that we were reliving the nightmare of the South now in the North. And once again, it felt like Israel was unprepared. And that moment is one that, that, that echoes in my heart. We, we did a, a hostage drill with the family. What would happen in a scenario where somebody actually gets to our home? And what do we do at that point in time? And I, I have to tell you, it's bad enough to figure out what it's like to be in a bomb shelter 
to try to articulate to your wife and your children what happens if somebody breaches your homestead with the sole purpose of killing you because you're Jewish. This is not 1941 Germany. This is Renana Israel 2023. That is something that I think about every night, all night. Yeah, and you know, for the listeners who are not as familiar with Israel as as Arya and I are, I mean, Ranana is is a very American suburb. It's a it's a it's a prominent suburb. It's a wealthier suburb. I mean, think about like a Tony, like a Bethesda, Maryland, Chevy Chase, Maryland, kind of a Tony suburb in Westchester County, New York. You know, I mean, it, it is a nice town, right? So, I mean, so the fact that you are have been dealing with this, you know, one of the thing you mentioned. I mean, the nine eleven comparisons, I think, have been. Uh, manifold over the, over the past few weeks there. You know, it's worth just underscoring one thing. I, 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 on the one hand, I kind of hate where I'm about to go, but I think it is important for the listeners to kind of have this kind of mathematical comparison. The death toll right now, we estimate, is roughly fourteen to 1,500. We, we still don't know the exact death toll. We're, they're still literally trying to identify the bodies. That's how much they were all tortured and disfigured by this barbaric massacre. But that number relative to the Israeli population, Israel being a small country, would be the equivalent of roughly forty-eight to 49,000 Americans. Um, 9-11, the death toll was roughly 3,000. So that's like 16 9-11s, um, just by comparison there. On the one hand, I kind of hate making that comparison, but it really just kind of just, it just drive home the point. And, you know, the global Jewish community is small enough where I, I, we virtually all know people who, who, who were directly impacted by this, who, who were killed, taken hostage, just, just, just awful, just unspeakable, awful stuff. So I, I, I do want to get into eventually, you know, the idea of what's going, what's going to happen in Gaza, all of that. But one question for now, just on the tragedy itself, which is my number one question that I have not sufficiently gotten an answer to. I'm not sure, frankly, we're ever going to get an answer to this question, but I would be curious for your thoughts on it. Which is what the hell happened? I, I, I mean, Shin Bak, the Shin Bat, that's Israel's internal security services, along with Mossad, their foreign intelligence services. These are the most sophisticated operations in the world. I mean, the American CIA couldn't pick this up. I mean, you know, Israel can get these nuclear documents out of Tehran with 18 trucks back in 2018. They can take out nuclear scientists and they can do amazing things as a sophisticated first world country. And yet this attack was planned for by for a year and a half by Iran and its patrons there. And what happened? So that's a question. Look, the week before this happened, this was deliberately planned around the date of the Yom Kippur War, which was the last time that Israel was caught truly unawares, sort of the last truly tragic surprise attack against Israel. Um, I read a week before October 7th, say the last day in September, uh, the debriefing of how the Yom Kippur War could have happened. And there's still debates on this side and that side and how this failed and how that failed. And, and 50 years later, there's still an enormous amount of introspection in terms of that happened. We're, we're going to look at the next 50 years where there will be pieces of information that will be put together in hindsight that we'll be able to figure out. But here's, here's what I think is important to know, because this is what will determine what happens in the future. And we can learn this from the past. Hamas and Iran are terror organizations who have one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to destroy the state of Israel, all Jews living in the state of Israel, and then ultimately all Jews and Westerners around the world. That is their stated purpose. That is their stated goal. They wake up every morning, and that is all they want to do. When they dream at night, that is all they dream about. That is their entire raison d'etre. The Israeli apparatus is supposed to stop that and does a remarkable job of stopping that day in and day out. The losing team won a point in this one. The way I describe it is Israel lost a war on October 7th, 8th, and 9th. The new war started on October 10th. 
how they lost the war. We're going to have lots of time to figure out, was it because of the internal dissension in Israel? Was it because the U.S. wanted to put daylight in between the U.S. and Israel and there wasn't immediate sharing? Was it because people felt the message that Biden didn't invite Bibi to the White House and he was somehow an illegitimate leader and therefore there should be distance? There's lots of times. Should it be because Israel uh, pushed the judicial reform when they shouldn't have? There will be lots of time for evaluation and blame and all of those things. But let's just acknowledge who sits next to Israel on its northern border and its southern border is people who this is all they do all day, every day. And here's the ultimate part behind it. Iran, which is the funder, the planner, and the driver of these entities. Call it Hamas, call it the Houthis, call it Hezbollah, but it is Iran at its core are $80 billion wealthier in the last three years than they were beforehand. So while Israel looks like a superpower compared to Hamas and Hezbollah and Syria and Egypt and Jordan and, and the Palestinian Authority, et cetera, et cetera, there is a monolithic $80 billion power slightly further away that's driving this. And, and when the U.S. and Israel have this daylight, this is what ultimately can wind up happening. So let's drill down on that exact point, then, because you obviously worked in the Trump administration. You were part of the Abraham Accords. You were part of the Trump administration's, maybe a little more indirectly, but you were part of the administration's broader approach to Iran, which was, which was of course, the exact opposite of the Obama administration's approach. Uh, Trump got us out of the Iran nuclear deal. The regime was very much on the ropes. And yet Biden then completely changes course. You mentioned the billion dollar figure there, $80 billion, I think is what you just said. So how much of this tragedy can you, in your analysis, directly link to the Biden administration's total change of course when it comes to the Iranian regime and also, of course, the Palestinian Authority and the various Palestinian factions as well? Yeah, I would say, again, I don't want to point this massacre. The massacre should be blamed on the people who did the massacre. So that's Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran. That's where 100 percent of the blame goes. 110 percent. It cannot go anywhere other than that. But if you want to talk about stability and clarity, uh, under President Trump, ISIS was diminished to almost nothing. Uh, peace was breaking out of the Middle East, five peace deals in 123 days with the Abraham Accords. Uh, Iran was on the run. The Palestinian Authority had been mitigated or minimized in terms of their terror pursuits, uh, and their prestige in the international court was less. And, and, and why that's critical to understand is there's a battle over the future of Islam. Islam has more than 1.5 billion people in the world. And the question is, will the hearts and mind of Muslims everywhere be won by the psychopaths in Tehran, the people who encourage, pay for, direct, and demand Hamas to do what they did? Or will it be won by the people in the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia with the great reforms that the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman is doing there, King Mohammed in Morocco, King Hamid in Bahrain, who are fighting for the hearts and minds of these young Muslims. Who is going to win that battle? And when we, the United States of America, do not pick a side, or even worse than not picking a side, we favor Iran, that then becomes an unfair fight. And without a doubt, every dollar that goes into Iran does not enhance their um uh, universities of higher learning. They haven't come out with new cures for cancer. They haven't developed new drip water irrigation. They fund terror and build their nuclear uh, uh, plans, and they fund and foment uh, hatred amongst young Muslims. And that's the battle that's going on here. This is not a Jewish, non-Jewish battle. This is not a Israel-Hamas battle. This is a battle of civilizations, good 
versus evil in the United States of America has not unequivocally decided that we're on the side of good. So that's an extremely important point that you just made, and we'll take it to a quick commercial break right after this, but I want to underscore that, which is that this is not a Jewish-Arab conflict. In fact, the Hamas barbarians massacred not exclusively Jews. They indiscriminately massacred many Israeli Arabs as well. And, of course, there are many Arab soldiers, many Bedouin soldiers, Druze, who are serving in the Israeli military to this day. So it's a very, very important point here. This is not just a Jewish Arab fight. This is a fight between the forces of, of just good versus evil. I really don't know how else to say okay. it. I mean, not every okay. not every conflict fits that stark moral dichotomy, but you know what? This one actually does. Anyway, we have on Arya Lightstone again. He's the former senior advisor to the U.S. ambassador to Israel and special envoy for the Abraham Accords. Stay with us. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. The Josh Hammer Show. So here we are. It's over two weeks since the arguably, I would say, the single darkest day in the history of Israel. And the tanks have not started rolling into Gaza yet. There's been a lot of speculation as to why that may be the case. Some say maybe the supplies weren't there. Maybe the military actually inexplicably was just not ready. There, of course, is the ever-looming specter of Hezbollah getting in from Lebanon to start a a dreaded two-front war. I'm curious what your thoughts are on what the IDF is currently doing and what you would predict over the next week or so. So I've been to maybe 12 bases in the last six days. The morale of the troops, I've never seen anything like it. Nothing like it. I mean, the morale is is incredibly high. Sense of mission is incredibly high. Sense of purpose is incredibly high. And I thought when I went 10 days ago for the first time, how long could this possibly last for this sense of it's a citizen's army? I mean, these are people who have families, they have jobs, they have places to go, and they've stayed on the front. They will stay on the front. They're determined to stay on the front for as long as it takes. Their motivation will not wane. Uh, There's not a doubt that the supply chain was not where it needed to be. I don't believe Israel in its wildest imagination thought that they would be fielding a standing army of more than 400,000 people. It's just not as supplied. Now, Israel will catch up if they haven't already caught up. But you have the X factor that you discussed, Hezbollah in the north, but you have the X factor that you didn't discuss, which is the hostages. And here's the dirty secret that Hamas and Iran know that the United States of America and Israel aren't upfront enough about. Israel and the West values human life. And Hamas and Iran use that as a ploy to mitigate the military might that Israel has. They will sacrifice and do anything possible to damage their own civilians and certainly the hostages that are being captured, that are being kept captive right now in order to prevent Israel from doing what it must do, which is to eradicate the entire 
Hamas infrastructure of Gaza. And we can talk about that part later. And, and until Israel and the U.S. come to some definitive conclusion of what it is with the hostages, it is difficult for them to wind up moving. Now, the advantage is, is that Hamas isn't going anywhere. Uh, Israel's pants have been pulled up and they are ready to go. And the will and the ability is there that they can wait out Hamas for, for six years if they so needed to in order to protect every single Israeli life. Uh, the the threat has been mitigated. Now they can turn their absolute 100 percent attention to the north if they need be. And to a great degree, I think they're saying Hezbollah, try us because we will show you what will happen. And the important part of that is what is Israel's goal right now? What's their goal? Meaning they lost a war on October 7th, 8th and 9th. At that point in time, uh, they were knocked uh, down, not out, but down by Hamas slash Iran. That's what happened. What's the point of going to war right now? If all 210 hostages walk through the door, please, God, and I pray for this every single moment. They walk through the gate and they're healthy and they're fine. What does Israel do next? And the question there is, can Israel live with a Nazi, not Nazi, yes, but a Nazi force on its border for in perpetuity? And the answer is they cannot. Israel must eradicate this evil force that is next to it because they owe it to their citizens They owe it to their civilians, and frankly, they owe it to the world at this point in time. Israel cannot go back to business as usual after this, and people seem to not get that. This was not a regular occurrence. These are people who wake up. I'll I'll share with you an astonishing fact I learned this morning when I was at the the border kibbutzim uh, documenting with my own eyes what had happened there. There were, in addition to the 1,500 to 2,000, quote, Hamas terror fighters, over 6,000, quote, civilians. I don't know what that means. Quote, civilians from Gaza, Palestinians from Gaza, walk through the fence and participate in some of the most barbaric activities that, again, I will not mention on this show. They put 6,000 civilians saw the opportunity to murder their neighbors, and they did so with glee and joy, oftentimes FaceTiming the entire process. The difference between the Nazis and Hamas is the Nazis at least understood that they should be embarrassed, so they tried to hide it. The Hamas promoted this. Israel cannot go back to business as usual, even when, and please God, all 212 hostages walk down that alley uh, tonight healthy. So I could not agree with you more, obviously, on what has to happen to Hamas. I, I have written this column God knows how many times over the years. I am of the personal opinion that Netanyahu should have done what has to be done while President Trump was president because it would have been a lot diplomatically easier. I wrote that numerous times. Uh, so be it. Um, I, I hear you loud and clear on the hostage situation. I guess I would, I would counter by saying two things. One is that every day that the status quo continues, those communities, especially in the south, but, you know, also Ashkelon and frankly, just the broader Tel Aviv area, they still have to face these these red alert sirens. I mean, they're still kind of racing to the bomb shelters, as you and I just discussed. The other thing is that every day that goes on, I fear that the broader global public, you know, what the liberals refer to as a so-called international community, their sympathy for Israel just gets a little less and less. It diminishes each and every day. So I, I do I, I do worry about that. But I hear I hear you loud and clear there. Let's talk about the Hezbollah situation here. So uh, Israeli intelligence and the Israeli security brass has greatly, greatly feared, I think, a confrontation with Hezbollah for a long time. Not that it, not that the IDF can win that fight. Of course, they have superior weaponry, but Hezbollah does have much more sophisticated weaponry, 100 to 150,000 missiles, rockets, things of that nature there. They are more directly tied to Iran than Hamas is. They're essentially just a, a, an Iranian proxy right there. 
Now, we have two to three U.S. aircraft carriers now in the region. How do you see this playing out with Hezbollah and then ultimately the United States as well? Because I think most people think those aircraft carriers are there to deter Hezbollah and Iran, not so much to get involved in Gaza. But if Hezbollah starts raining down missiles into northern Israel, into Haifa, you know, let's say, for example, does the U.S. get involved at that point? What does that look like, you think? So, so two things. One is I think it's important to know that Hamas managed to murder 30 American citizens and has kidnapped more than 10. Um, so it's very much a U.S. issue as well. I, I think Israel is smart to tell America we don't want, well, I'm saying we as though Israel, but I'm saying Israel needs to tell America uh, Israel will protect itself by itself. And that's important for two different reasons. Reason number one is when there's a dead American soldier, the support for Israel, which is pretty broad and is pretty bipartisan, will begin to drip and drop very quickly after that. And secondly is Israel needs to create a deterrence here. And the deterrence is based upon U.S. soldiers engaging the battle. It's no longer Israeli deterrence. It's now Israeli and American deterrence. And there's a lot of people saying, look, President Biden has done a good thing over here. Uh, again, I'll praise his speech. I'll praise sending the carriers. I'll leave some of my other commentary on, on his ineffectiveness for another period of time. Um, but let's say there's another Democrat president elected in the future. The, the prevailing thought is President Biden is the last pro-Israel Democrat. I, I'm optimistic that's not the case, but realistically, it very well could be the case. Then where is Israel's deterrence? at that point in time in 10 years from now or in eight years from now. So Israel needs to reestablish its deterrence in the Middle East if it plans to be here for the next 100 years. That, that it needs to do on its own. Now, with Hezbollah, that is essentially Iran. If the um, aircraft carriers are here, there needs to be a very serious conversation about when and who cuts off the head of the snake. And, and the problem is, is that the Biden administration doesn't think it's a snake. The Biden administration thinks that it's a cute little puppy dog. And and it's difficult to argue that you're supposed to cut off the head of the cute little puppy dog. I mean, the the, the Biden administration has funded this uh, snake. The Biden administration has coddled it. The Biden administration has strengthened it. And then suddenly they're surprised when, when, you know, it and its minions are attacking our allies and ultimately may attack us. And let's just be extremely clear that we are two or three bad decisions away from a regional war and two to three further bad decisions away from a world war. That, that's where we're at. The, this is not business as usual. We need adults to make the correct decision the correct way. One of the correct decisions is not funding Gaza. That is not the correct decision. You prevent war by being strong and clear. You don't um, prevent war by being ambiguous in terms of what your goals are. Let, let me ask you another question about kind of what you're sensing there among Israelis. So Israel was very divided this year. I mean, Israeli society was deeply fractious this year. That's one of the many pieces yeah. of the puzzle here. I've been extremely outspoken in my support for the government's judicial reform proposals, but those judicial reform proposals have been met with very fierce and stiff resistance by many members of the Israeli left, egged on by folks like former Prime Minister Ehud Barak, George Soros on the international level there. It seems to me, from my vantage point, that Israeli society is more is more unified than ever. It's the, it's the rally around the flag effect. Is that what you're seeing? I mean, you're the one who's actually on the ground there. And how long do you think that will last? And then the also kind of close corollary to that is what will the long term repercussions of that unified response be? I'm thinking here about the so-called two state solution, things like that. So normally I'm the right wing nut 
out of any circle. I'm, right, I'm an investor today. So normally in the investment circle, if it's center, center left, far left. Uh, and I spent my whole day today with, with my investment colleagues trying to figure out how we can raise money for victims of terror and for community resilience. There is no left in Israel anymore. Wow. Um, there's also no right in Israel anymore. There's just Israel. And what I mean by that is, is the sort of the famous line of gold in the ear. Um, you know, if, if you prefer dead Jews that are pitied or strong Jews that are feared but not liked, we're going to choose the strong Jews that are feared but not liked every single time. And that is the overarching theme of the people of Israel. I mean, enormous unity. I would say 98% uh, connectivity. I'll give you just an example. One of the strongest divides was in between the ultra-Orthodox and the, 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 the furthest left wing who were concerned that the country is being usurped from them. Um, and they'll fight about education budgets and stuff like that in the year from now when, when that comes up again. But th- they had an a emergency draft uh, for people who wanted to join the fight. And they open up the draft doors for Haredim, for ultra-Orthodox specifically today, and they plan on having 1,200 uh, recruits come up, which would be an enormous number uh, for that to happen. They had more than three times that show up, and they were turning people away. Wow. And, and, and those numbers were just, it was a warm hug for the people who were on the front lines who said, one second, we are one people, one heart. And that is the overall feeling here. Now, your second question to that is what happens the day after? I think it depends on what happens the day of. If this government completes its mission, uh, which is to eradicate Hamas and restore calm to all of the borders of Israel in a meaningful way, I think that the people of Israel will maintain a unified stance and then just have very friendly and loud arguments about stuff that they strongly disagree on. But it won't be about the fundamental core of what the country is. I think people were reminded of the fundamental core of the country, which just if you look in London or Washington, D.C. or San Francisco, the fundamental core of the country is if there is no Israel, there likely is no Jewish people. And at that point in time, judicial reform matters much less pro and con. Right. That this is this is look, look at the rallies in the street when people on our college campuses are chanting from the river to the sea, the mask is off. That means we want to murder all Jews. And therefore, the Jews have a decision. Do they want to agree with that policy or do they want to fight strenuously against it? Right. I believe I'm part of the crowd that wants to fight strenuously against that. I have no interest in that happening to me or my family or anybody else that I know. You know, Ari, just before you and I recorded this, I was reading over a letter by an impromptu group of law students called Law Students Against Hamas. And it's signed by maybe 25 to 30 law students. I I, I probably know close to 10 of them or so. My first thought reading this letter was, I can't believe this letter has to be written. I, I literally cannot believe there has to be a group of students to say we are against Hamas. We are against a genocidal death cult that the United States, EU, every major Western country refers to as a state sponsor, as a terrorist organization, not just a state, as a literal terrorist organization. I mean, like, like the world truly feels like it's going insane. I've had a hard time sometimes over the past two weeks, just admittedly, just trying to keep my bearings about me, frankly. Um, uh, one other question for you, and maybe our final question is we're unfortunately getting close to the end of our time here, but you mentioned the day after what, what is the ultimate solution for the problem of Gaza? Um, so my initial reaction when I first kind of came out of the holiday and I posted like a long tweet or whatever we're calling it now on Elon Musk's platform, long post, kind of just give my full thoughts on this. My, my first thought was that Israel is going to have to reoccupy this. There's just no other choice. They're going to have to formally annex it, reoccupy it, military occupation, 
maybe they put in like a puppet Arab Zionist regime. I, I don't really know, though. I'm really kind of just spitballing here. I'm not sure anyone has a great solution. I, I'd be curious for what your take is on the day after, after, God willing, Hamas really is eradicated from this earth. Yeah, uh, Mayor Ben Shabbat, the former National Security Advisor to Prime Minister Netanyahu, two and three years ago, uh, had a beautiful article in Israel Today. Uh, and I want to just sort of echo what he said. The day after matters, but only after today is taken care of. And I think what that means is there is no appetite to give Gazans, as they're currently constructed, any control over their own destiny. They had a chance from 2005 to 2023. And October 7th, they sealed their own notice that they've given up, certainly for this generation, likely for all future generations, any opportunity to self-govern themselves in any way that has been previously fathomed in the past. And once the world comes to that acknowledgement, then we can come up with lots of different answers of what happens the day after. But first, we have to puncture the belief that the Palestinians in Gaza are different than any other refugee at any other place at any other time. They've been coddled and, and, and used as a prop for the last 76 years, at the very least. And the second we develop the idea that they, they forfeited, that you have no right. Hamas has won by an overwhelming uh, number in, in the democratic thing. When you do polling today, now granted polling during Hamas uh, uh, control is not a very easy poll, but their popularity is extremely high. Uh, they have lost the ability. Israel cannot. Israel has a greater obligation towards its civilians and its citizens than it does to the Palestinians. And therefore, the rest of the world needs to say, if we care about the Palestinians, which we do, I care about all humans, uh, right? I care about all people, not the murderous barbarians, but that's not all two million people there. It's absolutely not. It's a much higher percentage than people are saying, but it's not all two million people. <laughs> So if we truly care about those people, and I'm calling BS on most of the people who shed, uh, uh, you know, uh, these puppy dog tears for them, then do something about it. Find a way where they can live in dignity and safety and security. It's worked other places. Why can't it work with these people? And the answer is because people hate the Jews. And that is, let's just call it what it is. And therefore, these guys are a thorn in the side to the Jews. And therefore, we're willing to put up with murderous, they're, they're law schools, students writing that, that you know against Hamas that's an insane thing it's like saying I'm against be, uh, beating women I'm right. against raping women I'm against beheading children the reverse is when people are sitting there protesting in favor of Hamas that means they are pro beheading babies right they are pro raping women this is this these people are in our universities they're walking in our streets they work in our businesses they are our medical doctors to a great degree the world has gone insane and it, part of that is we need to puncture this belief that th this Palestinian group is somehow uh, immune to the laws of human nature. And Israel needs, with the U.S. support, to demonstrate that, no, human nature will work for you, too, and there will be a different solution, but it will not be Palestinian rule over Gaza. And as soon as we understand that that is the case, there are options going forward. As soon as we're still arguing that, which is what President Biden has been arguing, then you've already lost the war. It doesn't matter how many terrorists you kill. Very, very well said. Look, I mean, I have my own views as to the way that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict ultimately should end. I suspect that they're fairly similar to, to your views. But the point is that no matter what your views are, if you think that Hamas is part of the solution, then you are you are not living on this planet. I, I mean, you are just totally out to lunch and not living on this world, especially, especially after the results or the tragedy of October 7th, 2023. 
So unfortunately, we're out of time. Aria, you and I could really talk all day about these topics. So once again, Aria Lightstone, the author of Let My People Know, The Incredible Story of Middle East Peace and What Lies Ahead. Thank you so much again, my friend, for joining us. I wish it was under better circumstances. So be well and most important, perhaps stay safe. It will be soon and love to your wife's family. And may they be safe and may they be protected. God willing. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Josh Hammer Show. You really can't make this situation up. 1,400 to 1,500 dead, close to 4,000 additional wounded. Again, at least 30 of those slaughtered are United States citizens. We think that there are at least a dozen United States citizens currently held in the subterranean terror tunnels underneath the Gaza Strip here. You know, as someone who has watched FAUDA, and for those of you who don't watch it, maybe now it's not the best time to watch it, but in the past, it was really a prolific show on Netflix, kind of like the 24 of Israel, kind of like counter-terror. For those of you who watch Fauda and like-minded shows, th- this feels like just a, a, a ghoulish, nightmarish version of Fauda on real life. These details you just truly could not make up, even if you were the most depraved, kind of drug-addled Hollywood screenwriter. It, it really is just that level of barbaric. The hostage situation, again, in Gaza, I'm happy that Arya flagged that. That really is one of the most immensely complicating factors here. I, I'm sure that that is one of the key reasons that the IDF has delayed this ground invasion. But at some point, you're going to have to do what has to be done. Yes, Hamas has had more time to booby trap the northern part there of the Gaza Strip. Look, in theory... In theory, the most straightforward solution would be something closely analogous to the Doolittle raid of Tokyo after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, the bombing of Dresden, Germany, 1945. I mean, all-out war leading to unconditional surrender. I, I, I hear Ari and others loud and clear that the presence of the hostages does dramatically complicate that situation there. There, unfortunately, are just no good answers in the short term. It's, it's going to get uglier here, and here is one parting thought. To close on, as we get further and further from the events of October 7th, it is true. It is true that in the eyes of the so-called international community, in the eyes of President Biden, in the eyes of the Democratic Party, the United Nations, Brussels, the EU, all the normal transnational institutions of globalism and liberalism, as we go on here, each day that passes, 
the sympathy for Israel is going to naturally decrease. We saw what happened this past week with this horrific blood libel. Yes, it was a blood libel with the bombing of this hospital in Gaza where the Hamas Health Ministry, that's an oxymoron for you, the Hamas Health Ministry said that the IDF bombed it. It turned out that it was a lie. The New York Times has really never retracted that. Rashida Tlaib and the other jihad squad idiots in the House continue to peddle this lie. The point is that as time goes on, Israel is going to get more and more of the blame. The key thing to remember here, this blame lies with Hamas. They are the terrorist organization. They are the ones who started this. They are the ones who are bombing their own roadways to prevent their own civilians from going out. Every single death that happens inside the Gaza Strip at this point, based on international law, is not Israel's fault. It lies exclusively, exclusively with Hamas.